And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I go over the Sixers' 125-118 Game 1 victory over the Washington Wizards, going over what went right, what they need to clean up for Game 2, and projecting what they will need to do for a long, sustained playoff run. If you're not already an Athletic subscriber, head on over to theathletic.com slash SixersBeat for a yearly subscription to The Athletic to follow us on this playoff journey. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek, joined by Rich on the Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network in a post-Game 1 edition of the podcast coming to you after the Sixers 125 to 118 game one victory over the Washington Wizards. Hey, doing rich. We're not normal post game potters. No. You know what we're also not though? What one o'clock basketball watchers. Usually. No, that is fantastic. Look more one o'clock games. I'm all in favor of even during the week. I understand that doesn't work for the majority of people's work schedule. What you're listening <laughs> to this podcast, but I am very selfish. It would be tremendous for me. After all this, I'm still not a huge night person, so getting this out of the way in the day when I'm still awake and can concentrate, it is perfect. But it does allow us to podcast after the game, even after you've already filed your game story. Uh, we can now do a podcast, so we will, we will do that. We will talk about the Sixers win. Uh, you know, you came out, they had a big lead early on, a little bit of Joel Embiid foul trouble, a little bit of maybe too much bench players. Uh, all of a sudden, Washington had a one-point lead at the half, and the Sixers, despite Bradley Beal coming out and having a monster third quarter, the Sixers outscored the Wizards by seven in that third quarter. Embiid, Curry got going from the well, Embiid got going, Curry and Danny Green got going from the perimeter, and they took a a pretty comfortable lead from there on out. Never completely, the game wasn't ever um, completely put away, but I at no point really felt like Washington was going to steal it after that first quarter. So I guess we'll just start off, uh, take a step back. Where do you think we uh, we should begin on this, uh, on, on talking about this uh, Sixers win? Well, there, there are a lot of places we can go, and it, it, it felt a little bit like the joke I made on Twitter the other day that it, it's, it's like a bad NFC's game at, at 1 o'clock where, you know, the Eagles or whoever the team is don't play well. The other team isn't that good either, and they win, and it's, you know, fairly satisfying, I guess, whatever. Um, so there's a little bit of truth in that, but but I think the place you have to start is that in a first half where everything went wrong for yep. the most part, their transition defense was terrible. Brutal. The big one, Joel Embiid, three fouls, and he, he picked up his second and third fairly quickly. Only played 10 minutes. It was a good 10 minutes, like he showed some flashes about of how good he is, obviously, and uh, it was like a plus 10 or something like that. Um, so it's just a lot. And then the three-point shooting was just horrendous in the first half. You know, guys, whether they were rusty, whether they were a little uh, little shook from the uh, the playoff bright lights, I don't know what it was. But Tobias Harris saved them in that first half. 
I gotta say, I don't think Danny Green. Although I don't think Danny Green missed all that many. I don't think Danny Green was shook by the bright lights of the playoffs. <laughs> Danny Green um, is a shook. Mister Three Three Rings. I'm talking yeah. about Cork. I'm talking about Shake. I'm yep. talking about some of these other guys. Well, Shake, we uh, we can get into. Um, but yeah, they were three for seventeen from three point range, and quite frankly, they were mostly pretty good looks. Like those yep. were looks you'll take. That is why, to some degree, you felt like, all right, um, they'll get this game back under control. You weren't too concerned at the half. Uh, the matchups you thought they could exploit in Embiid when he was in the game, which wasn't all that much in the first half, Tobias Harris, uh, they were exploiting those well. Uh, so you felt like once the perimeter players started making their shots, they could really pull away, and you got Joel Embiid back on the floor for a more substantial amount of time, and they ended up making their shots and pulling away. So, yeah, it was, um, you know... It, they played well. I don't think they played perfect. I don't think you're looking at it and you're saying, well, there's nothing to be concerned about, but there's probably nothing to be concerned about for this series. And that's oh, sort yeah. of like what we talked about with uh, the first two rounds of the playoffs. They don't have to play at their best, which quite frankly, after the schedule, they just played to end the regular season. It's probably good that they don't have to play at their best because it could be a little bit rusty in terms of high leverage playoff basketball. You can sort of ease into it because the Wizards, unless the Wizards are playing at the top of their game, and you're doing everything wrong, they should have a pretty easy time here. Yeah, and it was Tobias who kept them afloat in yep. that first half. The game, you know, there was a really bad stretch after Embiid went out the first time when it was, you know, the, the bench guys were starting to trickle in to the point it became a bench and Tobias unit. And then we we did see some all bench to to begin the uh, to begin the second quarter. I think it was when Cork came in. Yeah. Uh, um. Well, I think that, so, that that ended after about 90 seconds. I think Doc yeah. brought, what was it, Tobias back or Ben back? One of the I two mean, back pretty quickly. He brought Ben back. But so, so okay, so we did see the Tobias and Bench unit get some run, like we thought we uh, we would. And, you know, he uh, he was just great. What, 28 points in the first half? And, you know, we, we talked about how the Wizards' lack of wings were really probably going to hurt them in, in this series. Boy, did it ever. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny because to start the game with their defensive matchups, they decided, okay, we're going to have to put a guard on somebody, and it's what they did in the regular season where they said, all right, we'll put Westbrook on Simmons and see how that works. Uh, and <laughs> we can talk about Simmons a little bit later, but they, but they did put their one wing player. They have one wing player in their eight-man rotation, Rui Hachimura, yep. who you know, he's like an okay second year player, not a defensive stopper yet by no. any means, not. And to be honest, he's, he's better on ball than he is off ball. And that doesn't mean he's good on ball. It just means he's pretty close to a disaster off ball. He is bad off the ball. He, uh, he gave up a couple slot drives to Tobias where I was thinking like, why, why are you helping so far at the nail? What are yeah. you, what are you doing? My guy. But so, so it's very easy though. To get and Tobias Harris against Rui Hachimura, he he gave him the business. Like he, you know, he scored on him in pick and roll and isolation post up, however you want to call it. He, he got him off a screen on a on a uh, baseline out of bounds play at one point. So so this isn't to say that uh, he was afraid of Rui Hachimura that the Sixers were trying to get him switch, but when they do get him switched off of Rui Hachimura, it is a Five alarm fire. Well, because you're switching onto Howell Neto and Ish Smith. And Ish had a pretty good block, but like he's got eight or nine inches on him. Like that's not going to work. And what blew me away, and I just started rewatching it a little bit, but what blew me away is how willing Washington is to switch (laughs) 
when they don't have a team designed to switch at all. Like if you were going to draw up a team of this team probably shouldn't switch having it. Okay. Look, your two guards are relatively decent size, but they're not, they don't have great size and one wing and nothing else. Like that's not a switch heavy team. And they were very willing to switch mostly with Tobias. Um, you saw Tobias having a mouse in the house quite a bit. Um, and that should have been preventable. Um, but this, I mean, this goes back to what we were talking about before the series. Like this is a bad defensive team with bad individual defenders and bad team execution that the Sixers should be able to exploit pretty consistently. And you have the Sixers top two options, offensive option in the half court, and then Bede and Simmons who start off the possession with individual mismatches. And also you can get Tobias switched onto an even easier mismatch pretty easily. I think Tobias is going to have a pretty big series. You know, we talked before, uh, the series about the importance of Danny Green and Seth Curry because of their off-ball shooting and Embiid's ability to force a double. Well, Tobias is—he's gonna—he sh- he should eat this series. Like he should. This should look. Maybe he doesn't score twenty-eight a half very often because that just doesn't happen all that often. It's a lot. He—it's sh- a lot. Um, but he should have pretty good success here in this one. This is a matchup for him. It, it's so true though that like, yeah, Westbrook and Beal. Beal is pretty bad defensively. Yep, I, I, I will say that. Beal is probably closer to these guys' level, but yeah, the willingness to switch Neto and Ish on what are you a, doing? Like, on a Toby. I mean, and what is Tobias Harris's favorite thing in the world? It's to dribble into a mid-range jumper yeah. and rise up and shoot over you. They're not blocked. I have a better chance of blocking that shot than they do. And you're right. Ish got one for some reason. He will not get one the rest of no. the series. No, it just, not only does just, he not block it, but like he doesn't even contest it. Tobias doesn't even know he's there. Like these are practice no. shots. There was a, uh, if, you if know, Seth Curry sets a screen, a screen for some reason, they just switch. Like it's what they're supposed to do. They didn't fight through anything. It was amazing. It was amazing. Doc had a good kind of out of a timeout play where there were a couple options. One of it, it was basically Curry sets the back screen for Tobias and then he runs off a, uh, off a split cut where Dwight screens for him. So Simmons has basically Curry and Harris as the two options. And, you know, I think Simmons was expecting, all right, we're going to get Seth off this after the back screen. And then he looked and he said, oh, my God, Neto switched on to Harris on the yeah. back screen. What am I doing? I can just lob it up to the rim yeah. and get an easy bucket here. So, yeah, I mean, some of this was was Tobias just playing well. Um, but but anyway, like for a guy who was terrible in last season's playoffs, terrible, yeah. and a guy who, you know, he really hasn't played a ton of playoff basketball. He kind of mentioned that after the game where he's like, look. You know, I've played an X amount of playoff series. And what, what X is, he's gotten swept in the first round twice, helplessly. And then he played one real playoff run that ended in Toronto with Kawhi Leonard's jump shot. That's it. And, you know, he's had, I, I would say he's probably been down for the most part. Yeah. During, uh, especially a V-Factor in last year when he was just a disaster. Uh, so if you were to say, you know, I know he slowed down a little bit in the second half. It looked to me like he was gassed just from... Not playing for a long time, and frankly, uh, the, the scoring burden. Understandably, like he carried the team he for the entire him. half. Yeah. Yep. So, no problem there, honestly. And the, and by that point, the uh, the Sixers, the defense had woken up a little bit. But yeah, great performance by him, and it just seems like something that you know it's going to be tougher to do in the in the following rounds. Like getting him switched on the weak defenders is something this team's going to have to do against the best teams in the league. It will not be this easy no. <laughs> because teams don't have this level. They're they're going they're going to play teams with just not as many of these bad defenders, and they are certainly going to play 
teams that don't switch that defender onto that player quite as easily. Like the Sixers don't even come close to switching as much. You know, Seth Curry would hard hedge in, in that spot. It's a uh, yeah, it's it's a very favorable matchup, and, and he did an awesome job. And it's uh it's hard not to feel pretty good for him considering what he's been through in the playoffs. Tobias Harris's career playoff stats: twenty games, like you said, four series. His team has gone one and three. The only win being against Brooklyn two years ago. But for his career in those 20 games, 42% from the field and 31% from three-point range, averaging 15.3 per night. So yeah, he has definitely struggled. Last year against Boston, I mean, 38% from the field, um, 13% from three. He has had his struggles in the playoffs. Him coming out here and playing well is not only really important for the Sixers, uh, because they could, I mean, they, they need him in the half court, especially in these tougher series. It's really good for him, too. Um, you know, there's so much scrutiny over what's going to translate with this team. And look, is this a great test? No, it's not. This is a no. barely playoff team, <laughs> a below 500 team, uh, and they're not a good defensive team. So it, it, you do want to read, like, not read too much into too much that happens in the series. This is a get get the win, advance, and get back up to speed kind of series. That being said, it is great to see him have that success. It's great for him personally, and it's great for the team because they they will need him in future rounds. Um, but he, I mean, this is this team is tailor made for him to go off like tailor made. And one last point on this: I think this regular season there there was that stretch after Embiid got hurt, and this is something Tobias said after the game. He's like, "What was your thought when Embiid got his second and third foul?" And he was like, "I, I was just kind of thinking, do the same thing I did when when he got hurt." during the season and they had that seven and three stretch where I looked up his numbers. I mean, Tobias Harris, I, I didn't have to look up his numbers to know that he was their best player during that stretch. And he was, you know, he, he averaged during that stretch, I believe it was 20 points, seven rebounds and like five assists on 50, 40, 90 shooting. I think it was, it was just, you know, he was very in control running the offense at that point. And, you know, their defense was great during that stretch, but I, I guess the point is this season, there was that stretch that prepared him for a moment like that. And, you know, credit to him because the game, even though the Sixers were so bad in the first half, it never really felt like it got completely away from him. And it, and a big uh, a big reason for that is that Tobias was just scoring at will in the first half. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, and then they, you know, the other major concern in the first half, outside of their shooting, outside of Embiid's foul trouble, the transition defense. Yeah. I, I, it is, look, I think they're always going to be like transition defense isn't going to be easy for them because you have Joel Embiid who is a post up heavy big man and getting him back in transition is always going to be tough because he's not, he's not hanging out in three point line like Aaron Baines is like it's, it's a longer run for him. And quite frankly, his first couple steps aren't always the most committed. That is a key point. 
It, it the, is. And the, the positioning of where he is is a key point. Before we get to the effort, which is a, a real thing, I, I think that's a fantastic point. And like when, when you see the teams that are really great at transition defense, a lot of times they get the big back pretty quickly. And then when Embiid goes to the bench, you've got Dwight Howard who, who pursues every offensive rebound. Whether it makes sense to pursue that rebound or not, he's pursuing <laughs> it. And that really takes him out of a lot of plays. So th- I think they start off behind the eight ball a little bit. That being said, their communication has never been good this year. They've met, never been great at getting back. They've never been great at matching up. And in the first half, they certainly... Uh, look, this is a fast Washington team. Like They play fast. They have two of the fastest players in the league with the ball in their hands. They're not going to be the easiest to get back to. If Washington is going to steal a game or two and make this a little uncomfortable for the Sixers, it is going to be in transition. Uh, the first half... Uh, and look, missing a lot of shots, you miss 14 threes, you're going to give them ample long rebounds to run. Yep. So it's, it's a combination of not making shots, not getting back in transition. Um, but that was maybe the most concerning aspect of the game. And even with that, I never at one point thought, like, I'm really worried about this matchup now. It's just <laughs> if they are going to make this a series, they're going to have to be better in that regard. Yeah, I think it was 14 first half break uh, points mm-hmm. in the or fast break points in the first half. Sorry. Uh, and Doc Rivers, I, I don't think that even did it justice. Doc said after the game that they had it closer to twenty. Sure, you know, some, sometimes that doesn't get uh, that doesn't get put. They had four. They had four fast yeah, break I mean, points in the second half. A so lot of the, times you come down, you run like one action, and now it's not a fast break. But it, you, the t- defense is out of position because of that port. But yeah, like I mean, it at least happened two or three times where Danny Green was guarding Westbrook. By the way, congrats to us. We got that one right. That Doc would. Uh, go with Simmons on Beal and, and put Green on Westbrook. And, you know, I, I didn't think Danny looked terrible against Russ in the in the half court, but there were times where he was the only person kind of between Russ and the basket by the time he made it to the uh, the three-point line. And that's just, that's unacceptable. And it's, you know, it is, I, I agree with you. Like the Sixers are probably never going to be an unbelievable transition defense team. But in this matchup, that is the only way you lose, man. That is. <laughs> well, and I mean, not only that, it's a it's a it's a tune up for Bro- Brooklyn, yeah. who isn't who is a a great transition team, but isn't as reliant on transition to be a threat. So if you if 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 it's going to be real hard to stop Brooklyn in the half court, you can't be giving up easy high, you know, percentage looks in transition too. So they they need to pick this up for sure. It was yeah. The, the first half just felt like. Kind of, I don't want to say they were completely sleepwalking in that regard, but it is unbelievable where the whole week during these boring yeah. Zoom press conferences after the uh, the practices, all that gets talked about is transition defense. We got to get better at that. It's like one of the few things that we were not very good at this season. And then they play one of the worst transition defense halves you can play. It's just, I don't know. That's, you know, you can blame that on whoever you want. I, I would just say like from a, team standpoint they just have to be better I, I don't know for a team that can string together some amazing defensive possessions in the half court with activity level and communication and even when the wizards score just making them work really hard i mean come on step one yeah. is you got to get back on defense and uh and they didn't do it it was it was pretty ugly like not matching up with Burton's bad in, in transition letting westbrook get all the way to the rim bad it's yep. just i don't know it's it's any anyway, right some of it was missed wide open if they make these threes but there there was at one point I, I was paying attention to the bench when uh I think you know they, they had given a couple transition buckets up in a row and it was when Tobias was trading buckets with them on the other end while 
he was, you know, scorching hot. And I think after the third consecutive possession of that, of transition bucket, Tobias bucket, after Tobias is third in a row, Doc, like, he literally, he jumped off the bench so hard and was like, get the hell back. <laughs> um, he was clearly not happy with that. Uh, I, I hope that gets better in the uh, in the following games because, honestly, like, if, if they defend like they did in the second half, in the half court, this is going to be a short series. Yeah. But, but, they, but you just have to get them into the half court, which and is not normally this hard. It's always a cascading effect, like, if you make shots and you're not getting out in transition more, then your defense is being set. Then you start forcing turnovers, which Sixers did in the, in the second half. Those turnovers lead to more made buckets, which lead to less transition opportunities. Like everything is connected in this regard, but they're just their execution, their effort level. Forget missed shots, forget opportunities Their execution and the effort level in the first half and transition was just not good enough. And like you said, they've been talking about this for all week. Uh, they've been talking about it for months and it really hasn't gotten substantially better. And look, they will blow the doors off of Washington. I have no concern about that. Watching the the Knicks game here, I have very little concern about that second round. <laughs> but it does become a, a a real concern against the Nets or whoever makes it to the, the finals, whether that's Miami or Milwaukee as well. It becomes a real concern against those teams because your margin for error is much lower. Um, so they do have to, They that, look, like, like you and I both said, I don't expect them to be a great, transition defense. You're not talking about the, you know, 2017-18 Boston Celtics. I don't think you're getting to that level. Who were one of the most disciplined um transition defense teams I've seen in quite some time. But you just even, you need to be even better. some of Doc's KG teams. Yeah. You they just they didn't really offensive rebound a lot and KG was like you made that point earlier, he was a three-point and mid-range shooter. They got back a ton. Yeah. on that end of the court. Yep. So they need to be better in that regard for sure. All right, moving on to the third quarter. Um, the the defense from Simmons and Thibel was just incredible. Um, and look, I thought it was, the funny thing with Beal is, so Beal had a, a 17-point third quarter, struggled in the first half. I thought the looks he was getting from the perimeter were better in the first half. Yep. And he just, he, he missed those and he made a whole bunch of tough shots in the third quarter. And look, he got, you know, Simmons and Thibel were coming at him pretty aggressively to run him off that line off screens and pick and roll. He made some nice shots around and over and through Embiid. But the defense they played, and I, I, I'd i forget, I think he ended up with six turnovers. I'd forget how many came in the second half. I'd bet at least five of them came in the second half because the pressure got to him at times. And did he get his points? Yes. And he's probably always going to get his points this series. But they weren't easy. He felt every one of those points. He turned the ball over with some of that pressure uh, and, and helped get the Sixers out in transition. I thought they did a real, real good job in that second half on him. And look, Beal and Westbrook are going to get their points. But if you make it that tough and you generate that many scoring opportunities through those turnovers, Washington just doesn't have enough other ways to beat you. Beal and Westbrook have to be almost perfect. And as good as they were, it was tough on them. It was. If the Sixers consistently, or even a couple times, play that level of defense we saw in the third quarter, there's going to be a couple of blowouts in this series. Yeah. Because... I, I think you you said that well. Beal, he got free a couple of times in the first half, and he, he only shot one of six from, from deep. He scored 17 in the third quarter, and I thought it was one of the most impressive quarters yeah. I've seen from a player this season. And he, you're right. He did turn the ball over. They got him on a uh, they got him on a trap where Embiid sprung out, and they, they, they got a steal there. They, they got him on a, 
a, a play where, where Simmons was, was hassling him all the way out to the uh, three-point line, and that turned into a transition three on the other end. When, By the way, that was awesome to hear. The, the crowd just going insane. During that during like 16 that, to two run or whatever. Yeah. During that avalanche of three pointers they yeah. were hitting in transition. Really? I mean, Sixers shot 10 of 32 from three. And I swear four of them must have come in that, you know, three minute span or whatever it was when they were, uh, they're making those threes. It, it's clear that in both Simmons and Thibault, they are daring Beal to get all the way to the rim. And he did a nice job. I thought he scored on Embiid at least. At yeah. least three times, maybe four. And Joe said after the game, he's like, I was not good enough defensively. I do think, I, I do lend some credence to the idea that he was like, I didn't want to commit another foul again. Yeah. <laughs> because Especially with how many of those fouls were questionable, we'll go with, questionable. Um, yeah. I could see how he was like, well, if I make any kind of contact, they're going to call it. And I've already sat too long. So I'll just be vertical and hope that he misses. Yeah. He was uh he was late on some of those rotations, let's just say. And yeah. uh but you're right, the the activity level that they got both from Simmons and, and from Thibault, that just I mean, honestly, for him to score 17 points in a quarter, they ran him ragged the entire quarter. Now he played the whole quarter, whatever. But man, I mean, some of those looks were just exceptionally difficult. And that's that's the type of basketball if you are Doc Rivers, if you are a Sixers fan. I think you're you're happy with that third quarter where you know if you're going to get beat by these incredible plays, um, that's okay. It's it's the first half, it's the transition, it's you know some of the easy buckets they gave up that that you you need to clean up. And so so I guess just like as a general point, the Sixers should have lost this game in a lot of ways. This it felt like the nightmare game for them. They gave yep. up fifty six percent shooting from the field. Yeah. 40% from three, and one of those is at the end of the game, so 42%. They, I mean, they, they got not enough minutes from Embiid. They shot 31% from three, and they they still handled them pretty easily because, like, when you look at the, you know, the four factors, they they outmathed them and everything. They, they shot more threes. They forced a ton of Washington turnovers, and some of that was that great pressure from Simmons and Thibel. They hit the glass harder than them. They got to the free throw line more. Thank you, Joel Embiid, for 13 free throws in 30 minutes, which I think we'll see more and more of. Um, so in, in a lot of ways, this to me felt like the Sixers' like C-D game. It, it, even if you combine the uh, the better second half and the first half, and for them to still win fairly comfortably with Washington shooting the hell out of the ball, Bertans making his threes, I don't know. I think from... I don't think the Sixers can feel good about how they they played necessarily because, like you said, they are building for better opponents than this. But as far as this series is concerned, I think that's the type of win like, wow, we, we got away with one today and we are going to be better in the yeah. next few games. So. It is good because you got the win. You don't fall back in a quick one hole, 1-0 hole and start panicking. And also you have plenty of areas to look for with improvement. And also plenty of areas that you can exploit. So you continue to exploit what you can exploit. You improve upon what... You know that you didn't do well, and I look. This should be a five-game series at most. Um, at most, yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, interestingly, um, you know, they came out. They played eleven players. Uh, Doc <laughs> did, uh, but Furkan was out of the rotation in the second half, and Shake was. It seemed like superseded by Tyrese Maxey a little bit there in the second half. 
Shake was bad in the first half. Uh, defensively, bad. he was bad. Didn't do anything offensively. Why Furcon, are we closing out the Ish Smith on threes? By the way, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it's. Well, I mean, they, none of them were here. But yeah, no. It, it, Ish is a known quantity. Like he is the fastest player in the league. Don't give him a closeout. He doesn't earn it. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. But I, I guess what's do you have like a prediction? Like is Tyrese Maxey ahead of Shake a thing now, or is that just a one game? He's not playing well. Let's change it up. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I think there's a chance he might be in the rotation. I'll tell you what, Shake is earning his seat on the bench lately. He really is. His, yeah, his def- his defense in, he only played 10 minutes. It felt like 30 minutes with some of the bad defensive decisions and rotations he made in that first half. And so, yeah, and Maxi was, you know, again, he only played seven minutes, three points or whatever. It, uh, It's pretty funny, like, you know, they've been playing with the crowd for, I don't know, half the season, however long that's been. But now that they got a real crowd in there today, people were going nuts when he put Maxi in the game. He is clearly a fan favorite. Uh, and I guess, you know, that that would be the hope of playing Maxi is to just energize the team. Yeah, I I, I mean, I, he, he, he put in Maxi ninth, you know, like he was the ninth man in the second half after being the the 11th man in the uh, in the first half. And Cork you know, I mean, he bricked three wide open threes. So it's like, all right, take your seat in the bench, buddy. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it'll be over shake or over uh, over cork. But yeah, I think Maxi will probably be in the in the 10 man regular portion of the rotation. I mean, they got really bad bench minutes in the first half, yep. like ner- nervy, unorganized. It, it was really bad offense that led to transition defense. Just not getting good shots against guys that you have gotten good shots against in the regular season. It. Look, they they should be able to execute against this Washington defense. Maybe not quite to the level of the starters, but better than most teams they're going to play against in the playoffs. Better than pretty much every team they're going to play against in the playoffs. And I don't I don't know if they were nervous or they were rusty, but from Shake to uh, to Cork and George Hill was pretty good as the game went on. He needs to be more aggressive, in my opinion. He's got wide open lanes on some of these. Uh, some of these shots and, you know, Dwight was, it was a minus 13. I, I can't really say I thought Dwight was like, especially a major negative tonight. Yeah. He just wasn't helping. He was on the court with Shake Milton and Furkan Korkmaz. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think we're going to see Maxi. Yeah. I think, I think that might be true. Uh, I think that might be true. And, and a big part of that is just Shake's been bad for quite a while now. This wasn't, a single game occurrence, um, there is concern there. And it's really his 
forget the shot, which has been frustrating, but the decision-making, like right now, Tyrese Maxey makes better decisions, which at the beginning of the year, I would have never expected to say that. But I think Tyrese has grown in his decision-making. I think Maxey has reverted. or Nope. I think Maxey has grown in his decision-making. I think Shake has reverted. Um, and I just don't trust him right now at all. Yeah. At all. Uh, I think Furkan probably works his way back though. Like Furkan, I think Furkan probably comes back. He gets another shot. If he starts making a couple threes, he'll be back in sort of like his normal rotation. And by the way, I think he's probably going to start making threes in the next yeah. game. Those were wide open shots and he's shown that he can make those. Oh, just, he, just... he came up wide on a couple of those, man. They weren't even like short, long misses. Like they were left, right misses. That's, that's always the bad thing. Like the, yeah. the Herb McGee, he taught me as a kid, you miss long and short. Do not miss left or right. And by the way, it wasn't just Cork whether it was Curry or Simmons or well, definitely Simmons, but Green and, and Bede on, and Bede was way short on a couple of those threes. The Sixers, I mean, they were like three of 17 in the first half from beyond the arc. Those were bad misses. They weren't even close on yeah. a lot of those. <laughs> no, it was bad. It was bad. Uh, yeah. It was definitely bad, but they pulled out a win. Even and they scored 125 points. <laughs> they scored 125 points. Um, thank you, Washington, for not only your defense, but for the pace that you play at. Um, and look, when the Sixers starters, like Joel Embiid was a plus 20 in 30 minutes of play, mm-hmm. drop 30 and six, like when they have a chance to get Embiid going, I just, I don't see any way that Washington is going to be able to match up. It almost feels to me too, that he was, I don't want to say that Embiid was working his way into this game. Like he was pacing himself, but at times it looked like whether it was the foul trouble or, or whatever, it, you know, he didn't really going to the post as much as he normally does. And he's still nine of 16. Yeah. No, 12, I mean, he, of, 12 his, of 13 for the free throw line. His mid range game there down the stretch was just on point. Like it yeah. was really impressive to watch. Uh, for and, sure. and as much as uh, I'm uh, kind of going against the point I just made, it, it, did, it did seem when he got into the post, he got doubled and it's like, this was, you know, this was like first grade level. reading the defense it's so easy finding these shooters on the weak side for for open threes and a lot of them they bricked but you know in the second half like you found seth curry i I think at at times he was even surprised at how easy the uh the pass was because again washington is unorganized and they're small so i mean look not only is he not going up against you know anunobi and gasol and and all of those defenders over there um, not only is he not going up against Tatum and Brown and Marcus Smart, but he's not going up against Brad Stevens and Nick Nurse either. And I think all of that is going, like you said, this was first grade reading the double teams level. Um, I think he's going to have a, I mean, shocking newsflash. I think he's going to have a monster series. The, uh, the move he made in the first half when he had three guys on him and they weren't scoring against that two yeah. zone was yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. You had a great tweet. It's like, usually you just swing the ball around, take the open shot and make it. But with the Sixers, you just let him be go four on one. And it, it's true. <laughs> it's true. He, it's true. I think he had, he at least had one N one where like N ones on jump hooks and stuff, which yeah. was just, I mean, he's just an outrageously good basketball player. Those, yeah, those were the highlights of the game along with, uh, Simmons put back dunk in the, uh, in the first yep. half, which was super impressive. It was, I, I guess we got to talk about Ben a little bit. That was a, uh, it was an experience. I'll say the, the, the Ben Simmons experience encapsulated in an, into one game. Um, look what he's great at. He's great at what 
as maddening as maddening. And that's Ben Simmons. And the frustrating thing about talking about Ben Simmons is if you point out any of it, then the other side is always coming at you. Uh, look, he was a big reason why they won. He's a big reason why they match up well. Against but what about the team. free throws? Well, gosh, darn it. Like, and look, here's but what i say. But say he played well on defense. No, I'm being the other side no, now. You, you know, are, though, if, but it's like, it's like you can't criticize or acknowledge one without, it's very frustrating. Um, <laughs> every time I criticize a player, I don't have to bring up their entire game. That's not how Twitter works. I only have 280 characters to work with. Anyway, um, you know, with Ben, like when we spent the first half of the year when he was shooting like 65% from the free throw line, we said this is a really key development, even more than maybe an in-game outside shot. The fact that he is going to the line, making his free throws, confident making those free throws is huge. In part because maybe it'll make him a little more aggressive as a scorer, but in part because at the end of the game, maybe he won't have to run away from the ball. Well, for him to go, if we're going to acknowledge in the first half when he's shooting well and how big of a development that could be, he's shooting like 50% from the free throw line after the all-star break. And he comes out here and he goes 0 for 6 and just runs away from the ball at the last uh, play. Look, did Joel Embiid miss a pass? Yeah, probably. Did Does Joel Embiid deserve some blame for dribbling off his foot? Yeah, of course. But part of the reason you need Simmons to be able to have the ball in that situation is he's not only your best ball handler, but he's your best decision maker by far. Absolutely. It's not even close. And at the end of the game, you want the ball in your best decision maker's hands when you're trying to run out the clock like that. And it is frustrating the fact that Ben Simmons basically can't touch the ball in late game possessions like that. Like this is the one aspect where, look, it's a free throw. Like you should be able to improve upon that. And the fact that he is in year four now, second half of the year, shooting like 50% from the line and has to run away from the ball. It is frustrating. And look, they won a series. They'll win a series. He has a lot of positive values to his game. Don't get like I've, and I guess like this is an audience where people are listening that have been listening to us for a long time. And they know maybe a little more nuance of our opinion on Ben Simmons. And you can acknowledge a good and criticize the bad. Um, whereas Twitter is not quite that forgiving, but there's valid concerns and there's also, he's really good at basketball. It's, it was, it was a frustrating end though. It was a frustrating end. Post all-star break after 67% heading into the all-star break from the line, 53 in the second half. This was, I mean, obviously this was worse. O of six is brutal. Um, but yeah, shooting less free throws too. You just wonder if that turns him into a less effective attacker and uh you know it wasn't the classic simmons go ahead no go ahead you can finish i'm sorry to to me it wasn't the classic simmons is inactive game because he'll have the the six point game where he's not even attacking the rim he's not playmaking i mean he had 15 assists to two turnovers so eight offensive rebounds like yeah he was awesome on the offensive list eight i mean i didn't even see that number but some of those tip out plays were just, yeah, he was a madman on the offensive glass. So this was a legitimately excellent floor game um, for Simmons where, yeah, he was helping drive efficient offense with the other things he does. That that said, like we talked about Tobias and all of the easy matchups he has on this team. And Ben got a couple of those switches too. To shoot three of nine and O of six from the free throw line against the worst defense he's going to see by a mile. From now on, until they win the championship or they lose in a series, uh, let's be real. Like that's concerning. uh, Moving forward, that's and and look, look, that's the Ben Simmons experience. Like so much of what we're talking about with this 
game recap and with the series, it probably doesn't matter for the series. Definitely like, doesn't matter for the series. I'm going to, I'm going to keep taking it further. Yeah. They'll win it. His contributions were huge. He played an overall excellent game. But when you get to the conference finals, you're playing Brooklyn. Like these small details matter. And it's just, they, they really, they need him. And not only to be able to step the line and make those shots, but they just need someone to make good decisions late in games. And he is, it, it's to his credit, he is their best ball handler. He is their best decision maker in terms of a passer that they have by a, a, a mile. It's not even close. They don't, one of the aspects of, you know, you, you build your team around Embiid and Simmons and, and overcoming their deficiencies. You have a lot of spot up shooters. You don't want Danny Green making a ton of decisions. You don't really want Tobias Harris making a ton of decisions, quite frankly. Like that one where he missed uh, Ben cutting down the lane, like he doesn't have the court vision. And Embiid is a seven foot two guy trying to dribble in traffic. Like you need Ben to be able to be in that role. Um, it's not going to get easier. It's not going to get easier. The, the, the possession at the end where he was standing on the basket wide open was, again, Joe might have missed the pass. I got I got to rewatch that one. That was scary. I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, yeah. the, how that bodes for uh for the future again. Maybe it's one play, whatever. But look, the, the, if you were bringing any like individual long term concerns from uh you know for Ben Simmons' game and his role on the Sixers team in the playoffs, I've seen that movie before. It looked very familiar from yeah. uh from past years. Uh, but again, excellent game besides that, but just the, uh, the scoring part is not, not going so hot. I'll just put it that way. Oh, six from the line. That's hard, man. Make two. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. Make two. God. Uh, <laughs> all right. Any, uh, anything else? Um, you don't change up the defensive assignments, right? Like you, you continue and like no, green, I, I, I thought like, look, the Russ blow by green a couple of times. Yeah. A cut. They had a couple of crossovers or in and outs where green just looked like he was stuck in cement. That's going to happen. But green also then he used, like he backed off, used his length and sort of like tricked Russ into taking some of those floaters and pull-ups that Russ will do. And I'm fine with how, how I'm fine with Russ's game. I'm fine with the trade-off of that. Uh, I would certainly keep that going forward. Seven of 17 from the field for Russ. For 16 only, points. Yeah. yeah. Only yeah. two free throws as well. So I, I guess he could have been, more inefficient, but if you like, look, if you take away the transition stuff, then he's really inefficient against yeah. uh, against Danny. I mean, some of those, I, I know those bank shots. It, it's kind of similar to Simmons hook shots. Yeah, yeah the bank shots look cool when they go in, but my God, I mean, some yeah, of those the other eighty so percent of the off. time, yeah, oh, awful. I thought, uh, I I thought Doc should have challenged one of those calls oh, yeah. in the in the first half. I'm not even sure he would have gotten it, gotten it right, but no. I just think the like you said, the expected value of if you get it right. And by the way, like he would have gotten, I think the second one. I do too. Right. And I, I saw some people like, well, he was, he was, um, who, who, who was the fellow? Is that Len? Len. Well, Joel was in the restricted area. Well, but I'm not asking whether it should have been an offensive foul. I'm saying it should have been a, a no call. Yeah. There was minimal, if any contact. Um, I don't think I, I, that's the one that really, I think they should. And it seems like a lot of coaches are terrified of having a big possession late in the game where they don't have a challenge that they'll look bad or that that's just where they should use it. Or it's almost like habit there. When you're seven minutes left in the half and you're going to take Joel out for the entirety of that, because he picks up his third foul. It's sort of like when you start talking about closers, 
There is no higher leverage situation, no higher expected value of using a challenge than potentially getting those seven minutes with Embiid back. And even if it means a shot later on that shouldn't have counted will now count, well, if you get seven minutes of Embiid, you'll make up more than those couple of points. It was, uh, I think it should have been challenged. It ended up not hurting them. Embiid did a good job of staying out of foul trouble in the second half, so he didn't lose any more time on the floor, Part of, partly at the expense of some of his defense, maybe. Yep. Um, but I do think that is one where they should have challenged. And would they have gotten a call? I don't know. Like, sometimes refs are, if they see even the slightest bit of contact, they will keep that call in there. Um, but I certainly, when you look at what he did end up challenging, uh, I think that 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 third foul with seven minutes left in the second quarter, that was the one where I think you have to challenge. Yeah, and I mean, the, the one he challenged, if there were, were no high leverage calls throughout the game, yeah, go ahead. See if you can get a... Uh get that charge on Embiid at the end of the game reverse with Beal. It looked like a good charge to me, but yeah, when, when you compare the two, it's like, it's clear that some of these coaches think, all right, there's going to be a big, there's always going to be a big possession late in the game. And that's when it's going to matter the most point, a swing play. Yeah. But if you're going to park Embiid on that chair behind the basket for seven minutes, give me those seven minutes. Cause guess what? Then the end of the game probably doesn't matter because you were killing them. Yeah, it uh that was I don't know. It's it's a small part of it. It's obviously on the heels of uh God, that Memphis coach, Taylor Jenkins. I his challenging the other night was was unbelievable. I mean, he had a gave the Warriors three points and it didn't come back to bite him because his team played well and it seemed like he coached a good game besides that. But yeah, I don't some of these NBA coaches, I, I don't understand why they're so uh so hesitant to use these challenges early on. No, me neither. Um all right, I think that's probably just about all I have. You got anything else? No, I I do want to reiterate, reiterate though. Crowd crowd was awesome, and it just it just felt good to have a rocking Wells Fargo Center yeah. again. They uh, it, it's obviously it's only half capacity, but some of the top sections are uh, they don't use them at all. You know the the upper bowl kind of behind the basket they're not using. So the the bottom. Lower bowl is probably more packed than uh, than fifty percent, and man, you could feel it. Like some of those defensive possessions in the second half. That's that's why I thought Beal, not only was Simmons and Curry or Simmons and Thibault way up on him, just the crowd was really into it. And I know he was barking with the crowd. I, I didn't really see what exactly happened there, but it was it was awesome. It's just great to have that level of normalcy and to have intense fun playoff basketball back in uh, in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. That uh I, I I was not at the game. I'm having some work done on my car. Uh, and quite frankly going to the games doesn't really get us much. Anyway, um it gets us a good seat for the game, but we don't gain anything in terms of access right now because of all the covid restrictions, so I wasn't going to um it, it didn't bother me too much I was watching this one from home, hoping to be there on Wednesday to experience that because it has been a while. It has been a while since we uh we, we felt that energy and excitement in an arena, and that is a part of our lives that I think we um, we need to get back, for sure. For sure. A lot of juice in the building after not a lot of juice for, like, a month and a half. Yeah. Yep. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. Go check out Rich's uh, post-game article over at theathletic.com slash SixersBeat. Uh, we will be here all playoffs. See you, man. Here's my girl. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.